Jacques Howard, I'm on location at Starbucks, um, which is in downtown Trenton on South Warren Street. And I'm capturing some audio content from North Ward Councilman candidate Algernon Ward. And uh, Al, thank you for a couple minutes of your time. Um, I want to preface this by saying I've known you for many years. Uh, yes. Most people know that we're um, connected through the Trenton Civic Trust together. Yes. Um, I'm supportive of your efforts as a reenactor. You've been on a Trenton 365 show talking about reenactments mm -hmm. and African Americans in uh, the military from the start of the country all from the way the through beginning. to right now so I want to, just to make sure that um, the audience knows that but today's focus is, is going to be on your candidacy yes. and uh, some of the background information for the folks who don't know you you can share a bit about your history and then we're going to get into uh, some details and um, you recently have given me this one pager and uh, I'm going to pull a couple of questions out of each section and just so that the folks know um, the main categories you have solutions to the prop to the problem of crime Solutions to the problem of vacant properties, solution to the problem of education, and solutions to improve the quality of life in Trenton. And I'm going to pull a question or two out of each one of those. Um, but the main intent is so that the folks who don't know you can get a chance to hear a bit more about who you are and what you're planning on doing. So thank you very much for some of your time. You're welcome, Jack. I'm glad to be uh, sitting here for this interview because we have to... Uh, invigorate and interest the people in Trenton in the upcoming election because they've got a choice to make and I hope that they're listening to inform themselves so they can pick a candidate that's going to represent them. Mm -hmm. Now it's interesting that you start off with saying inform them um, because again on multiple time, multiple occasions we've talked about the importance of getting information and people being able to uh, digest that information. Like we can throw statistics and figures and things out, but the population here in Trenton, you've got to be able to reach them individually right. and give them information so that they can process that information. So each can you one, elaborate on that? Each one, reach one. Uh, Trenton is a is a very diverse city, and there's no single way that you can reach the entire population. You got to tailor your message to to reach the different uh, age groups, uh, language groups. Um, demographics of all of all sorts across the city so you have to be flexible and willing and accessible and your message has to be distilled to the point where people can clearly understand the point that you're making so yeah you, you, you have to be kind of a well-rounded person in order to um, even stand for office and uh, uh, try to be a representative of the people that live in, in North Ward. And North Ward is very interesting. It's the largest ward in the city. Mm -hmm. It reaches from uh, the Brunswick Circle, the industrial zone, all the way down here uh, where we are, uh, the downtown area, all the way down to Route 29. It has residential areas, it has industrial areas, it has high rises, it's got condos, it has a mix of everything. There's a Polish area in the North Ward. There's an African Liberian area in the North Ward. There's this Hispanic stronghold down near Perry Street and other places. And then, of course, there's the African-American community and a predominantly white community. So you have to be take all of that into account when, when you have to take on uh, proposals that are going to address their needs. And each community has its own challenges. So you have to be prepared to have an open mind and um, listen first, think and then talk next because no one has all the solutions, no one has all the ideas, and you'll be surprised at where the best ideas come from.
if you sit there and you listen to people will tell you what the problem Everybody likes to talk about the problem. But I think all of us realize what the problems are. The solutions are what I'm after. And that's why I want to spend my time and effort working on solutions. Mm -hmm. And before we get into uh, the details about some of the solutions that you're proposing in your one pager, um, what do we do well as a city here in Trenton? Well, the city of Trenton, uh, well, you know, we, we have our famous sign, Trenton makes the world taste. And that was, that's, that was quite descriptive of what the city was. See, I'm a, a born and raised in Trenton. And I remember Trenton in its heyday. And if you mention almost anywhere, we had it here. Trenton, this downtown was bustling uh, all the time, um, all the way out to South Broad Street. Uh, there was four or five movie theaters on Broad Street. Downtown was, we used to do window shopping. There was a Sears and Robots. There was a Lit Brothers. There was just everything that you wanted was here in the Trenton. And um, we had that. In fact, uh, some of the remaining manufacturing areas is bone pottery. Now, bone pottery makes the, when the United States gives a gift to a foreign dignitary, they use bone china pottery as the gift. We have them in the State House, and bone china is world-renowned. When the president gives a gift to another foreign power, it's a piece of Trenton-made china porcelain that goes there. You know, the word's really not china, it's porcelain. That's made right here in the city of Trenton. This is a legacy from our past where we were a huge uh, industrial ceramic center. Now, uh, some of the, uh, uh, the tiles on the space shuttle were, des uh, were designed and made here in the city of Trenton. Uh, not far from here, the satellites that used to go in outer space out on Route 1, uh, the Sarnoff Center, was, that was, that's all Trenton. Uh, the cables that hold up the Brooklyn Bridge, that was Crescent Wire right here in Trenton. Uh, the, down near where Kathmandu was, that was a railroad, uh, excuse me, a locomotive factory right here in Trenton. We have a diverse uh, historical background. However, when manufacturing moved to the south and now overseas, it took our industrial base. Are we going to replace that? No. But we are a service-oriented uh, center now. In fact, we're the capital of New Jersey, which means we have administrative work that's here. My challenge is to, to um, lobby the school system to prepare our students to get those jobs. The largest employer in Trenton is the state of New Jersey. Are our children being prepared to go after those jobs? Are they getting the administrative skills that they can make a living right here in the city of Trenton? I would suggest that the education system here in Trenton is still very general. And we need to put emphasis on the job market that exists. I'm glad to say that the Votech building, uh, and I, again, I lobbied when they were designing the new Trenton High to make sure that Votech was brought back to the city of Trenton so that the, those children that are not going to college can pick up a, a trade, uh, either mechanical, um, building trades, electrical, those vocational skills. Uh, Mercer County Community College has consistently ranked in the top 10 community colleges in the country. So it's not that we don't have um, the ability to, to uh, produce um, resources that are sellable, but we have to acknowledge what they are 
and adapt to the changing economy. It's a high-tech economy now. It, and if our children are not coming out of school with the programming and computer school skills that they need, they're going to be lost in the sauce. You can't work in a store because that's not a, a cash register anymore. That's a computer. So you have to have our children prepared to do this. Uh, in the African-American community, for instance, there's a problem with the digital divide. Most of our kids, when they go home from school, there's no computer in the house. Now, for the last few years, I had some good friends that uh, are um, advertising company, and they change over computers every couple of years. And so they got these stacks of slightly used computers that a person could use, and they've given them to me, and I've taken them, and I've either given them to the school system or given them out just to people in the neighborhood so that they can get a computer. Another thing that stops people is that, you know, um, computer internet access is very expensive, uh, relatively speaking. And I'm looking at the examples like Philadelphia and other cities that have actually gone and got a public internet access program going where it's as cheap as $5 a month. And that's something I'd like to see us invest in so that everyone can have access. Of course, the cable companies are fighting the thing tooth and nail, and I'm up against this David against Goliath, because they have nothing but resources. But we can punch through that. They have lobbyists in the state house that actually try to write bills that prevent it. But we the people, if we stand up to them, we can win. So those are the skills that I bring to the table. I understand that we have the power to win these battles. And it's up for the people. When you hear me hollering about something, I want you all to pick your ears up because, and stand behind me because I'm fighting for you. And I can't be out there alone. I'm not a, a one-man band. I, I need everyone with me so we can impress upon the political powers that if you like that office you're in, you better, you, you better get on board because the people are here and that's who you're supposed to be serving. So that's been my forte um, in the political realm. I'm able to, to rally people around issues uh, that are important in the community and, and solve serious problems that um, confront us. Now I have to say, as, as, as just a concerned citizen, it's been you know episodic from one issue to the next, and uh, I believe if I'm in city council, I'll be able to uh, have a broader view of what's going on and have some a chance to influence decisions that are made um, by being at the table when the decisions are being discussed and, and voted on. And our budget is another place where a city councilmen can make a, a huge difference because your priorities are expressed in your budget. You can see what a person uh, is important or organization feels are important by looking at their budget because that's where they invest their money, they put their money where their mouth is. They may give lip service to something, but when it comes down to the budget, you'll see whether it's invested in salaries or programs for people, whether it's invested in equipment or, or, or quality of life issues for the people in the city of Trenton. And so uh, uh, budget is actually an expression of your priorities. For me, it's always the people first. I have no illusions about it that there's no greater function in the government. In fact, that's why it's chartered. We the people empower the government to work for us. They're our advocates, they're our lawyers, they're our employees. It's no accident they're called public servants. Too many times people get these fancy titles and they somehow think that the people are there to serve them, that they are the great authorities. No, you're an employee. And the first thing an employee has to do is figure out what the boss wants. And that means listening 
to the people and acting on their priorities. Now, you can't give everybody everything that they want, of course, but you can make intelligent decisions that are compassionate and are sympathetic to whatever challenges people make, and you make the best decision based on what's best for the most largest number of people without running over the minority. So it, all of the facets have to be taken into account before you go ahead and make a decision that's going to affect the lives of people. I'm clear about what the problems are. I just walk outside and take a look at the abandoned buildings. Look at the torn up roads. Look at the number of jobs that are falling off. Look at the level of crime. Look at our reputation. I don't think there's a single person listening to us who don't know that those are the problems. We all are aware of that, and I'm not, I, I, I tore up my invitation to the pity party. Hmm. I'm not going there. If we're going to have a meeting to figure out how to fix it, I'm there. I'm there early, and I'll bring some chips and some Halo Farms, and we, we can sit down and talk about this here. <laughs> I want you to hold on, on, on that, but I want to talk to you about uh, something that has been on my mind for a while, and that's the finances of uh, the residents of the city. Um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe um, eight, uh, eight uh, weeks or so ago, um, I chatted with you and two other very socially engaged uh, residents about you working on establishing a credit union oh, or a yeah. bank Absolutely. Um, that is uh, a community-owned right. entity. Can you just talk a bit about that? Well, you know, before the political silly season started, I'm talking about last year when I wasn't even contemplating fully running this time. Um, in fact, this project started a number of years ago when I was in the Leadership Trenton Fellowship. Uh, we, we identified what um, would be an important uh, project for us to undertake, and we determined it would be a credit union. I advocated for it. That was my proposal and it became the class project. Since then, we've been researching it and massaging it, and unfortunately, the Leadership Trenton Fellowship only was together for one year, so when that kind of dissolved, it, it, it took away a lot of the impetus behind it. But it's always been on the back burner for me, and now it's on the front burner again. One of the more important aspects that hold the people in Trenton back and the businesses back is access to capital, but that's not a new story, we know that. So what do you do about it? Here's my solution. We form what's called a Trenton Credit Union. That's different from a bank in the fact that to have a bank, you need a million dollars to even open the doors. And those are not the kind of resources that we have readily available. However, in order to start a credit union, which is almost like a bank in every other aspect, all you need is 350 members at $5 a piece. So now you have an institution whose um, purpose it is is not to make money for shareholders like a bank, but to make money for the members, to accumulate wealth. What is the biggest problem in the black and Hispanic community? It's accumulation of wealth. Every generation has to start at zero and accumulate their wealth again because they haven't had access to capital. Um, many times they're renters and uh, they don't have property to pass on. Education is a real... Um, uh, uphill challenge because how you pay for that if you don't have the wealth in your family in order to help finance your education. So what a credit union does is allow you access to your own capital. And I'm not talking about money coming in from outside. If we actually took full advantage of the resources that we actually have, we have the money um, to do some very good things for ourselves, 
without having to ask anybody for anything. Direct the money that we do have, instead of being consumers, to be producers. When we invest money in a bank that will loan it back to us, that's the perfect thing. In fact, um, the whole country has, has acknowledged that this is a problem because uh, Congress passed what they call the Community Reinvestment Act a number of years ago, I want to say 10, 12 years ago now. Congress recognized that uh, commercial banking institutions often will not make loans back into the very community where they're located. And we had, they actually passed a bill that mandates that you've got to put a certain percentage of money banks back into those communities because of the longstanding um, practice that banks did called redlining, where they would draw a red line around black or brown or minority communities, they simply wouldn't make loans in there. So it was very difficult to, for you to get a home uh, mortgage or home improvement loan, and then people wonder why these uh, areas deteriorate. Well, you can't, if, if no one's a homeowner in that area, or you can't get money to keep maintain your property, is there any wonder why the properties deteriorate? Mm -hmm. There are all renters there, and renters not going to treat his home the same way as a homeowner is going to treat his home. He has an investment. He's going to make sure that that property is maintained. He's going to make sure that the neighborhood's maintained. He's, he's going to take care of it because it's his. And by the way, when that day comes and we all pass on, you have to have real property to pass on to the next generation, your children. So they don't start out at zero, and that's what I mean about the accumulation of wealth in a family. You're not starting out with zero, that you leave something to the next generation. And they're starting off with, with owning property and a way of, of, of accessing wealth or uh, capital that their parents necessarily didn't have. So this credit union is, is critical to making that final civil rights push. And we've done the law with the Housing and Discrimination Act, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the 60s and 70s. We, we worked, worked through um, uh, the, let's say, the social uh, condition of where um, uh, minorities are not treated supposedly by the law in a discriminatory, discriminatory fashion. But the last frontier for, for the general real liberation of people in the United States is economic freedom, economic empowerment. We are in a capitalist society. And it's all about money, ain't a daggone thing funny. If you don't have the money, you're gonna stay at the bottom rung of society. And by the way, we have the money, but we don't use it to our own advantage. How messed up is it that if you can be a, a customer for a bank for 20 years and you go to get a mortgage and they turn you down? You can have direct deposit. They can be sitting on your money and they, and they won't allow you to have a mortgage. If you've got a little mark on your credit or you've been late for a credit card bill, these are just excuses to turn you down for a genuine loan. Uh, they charge you higher interest rate. There's all kinds of studies that show it's, it's expensive to be poor. You actually pay more for interest than a person in the suburban area for the same amount. There's still discrimination in, in, in loaning. And they don't do a red line anymore. They do it by zip code. So these, these practices are still going on, they're widespread, and I'm like this. I'm tired of asking you for my own money. It's time to, for us here in the city of Trenton to have access to capital with our own money. And by the way, 
that insulates us from the, um, the twists and turns that the great economy to make. We're using our own money. We're not asking anybody for anything. The, the Wall Street can get, can get hanged. I don't care what happened, but if we got our own, uh, our own capital, we don't have to ask them for anything. So these are important community-wide things that we can work on and we can handle on our own, but we have to act together. We, that is the key thing, that everyone out there within the sound of my voice understands that this is something we can do if we act together. We can either rise together or fall together. And it's interesting that you say that um, and you, you have such strong opinions and focus on the on the community owned, the specifically air quotes, the Trenton Credit Union, because in the North Ward, the Polish Slavic community Absolutely. has their own credit the union that has been there for for more than a decade. Um, I want to go to your um, one pager now. And I'm going to pull out some questions, but I just want to run through some of the subjects first, and then I'll go back to one of the questions I have for you. So under the first um, subject, you have solutions to the problem of crime. And um, you have concentrate police in high crime areas and hold them accountable for results with a civilian review board. Second, protect our seniors with better security at senior housing projects. Third, improve the community policing improve the community policing policy, including foot patrols in neighborhoods and downtown. Fourth, use auxiliary police for traffic and security, freeing up uniformed officers for more important tasks. Fifth, invest in positive programs and recreation for our teens to keep them off streets and out of gangs. And finally, in this subject, institute effective ways for police and firemen to become residents of Trenton. Um, without going through all those, I wanna, want you to focus on uh, answering, improve the community policing model or policy, including foot patrols in neighborhoods in and downtown. Can you just elaborate on that a bit? Well, what are the major problems that impedes uh, Trenton's progress is the perception of crime. I mean, nobody wants to invest here, people don't want to come and visit here because they're afraid that Trenton is crime-ridden and, you know, they, they stay away from it. And one of the ways you address the issues of, of, of the perception of crime is if you have visible police presence. If you're in the car and you're flying past, you don't have that visible presence. But when you're in the neighborhood or you're downtown and you look up and you see policemen, there's a feeling of safety, not only for our visitors, but for our residents. Um, and by the way, that's more effective policing. When you can be on the ground and talk to the residents, you begin to learn who they are, what's going on. You find out who the bad actors and the good actors. You're going to get much better intelligence from the community if you establish a relationship with the policeman that you can call by name, and you know by name. In fact, you know that, that kid you snatched, you know who his mother is, and you take him home, and there's an issue. You, you're not pulling out a gun and shooting him because you don't know who he is and you don't know what he's capable of. He's just a teenage kid doing what teenage kids do. And I think those are the kind of things that can easily be repaired. Now, it's been a number of years that I've been advocating this, and I cannot get with an administration that has the courage to put their foot down and demand this of our department. We got so, so let's stick with that. Um, so why do you feel as though the current and previous administrations haven't had the courage to address community policing policy? 
they paid lip service to it, not to say that they didn't, and we did take some steps. We had, a, uh, we had what they call CPACs, Community Police Advisory Councils, in each one of the wards, and I was a part of it. In fact, I promised then Police Chief Early, Ernie Williams that I would be the first person to sign up if he promised me foot patrols. He said he would. I was the, I'm, I'm student number one in CPACs. I signed up first, all right? But I didn't get my foot patrols, okay? Uh, we did have the CPAC meetings. They went for years. In fact, we got police many stations that are now standing empty. So the commitment to community policing, while rhetorical, and it did what well, didn't provide the substance that we had hoped. I'm, I haven't given up on it. I think um, and all the studies that I've read on policing shows that community policing produces better results than the old model of policing because. There's no substitute for, for engaging your community in your policing as far as intelligence and providing a sense of safety. Well, that comes to the conclusion of segment number one with Algernon Ward, who is the candidate for the North Ward. Thank you very much, Algernon, and we'll get back to segments, uh, subsequent segments in a moment. Okay, Jack. Thanks for having me.